a desert planet with twin suns. Cassian Ander. This is what revolution looks like. People are standing up. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. First of all, thank you for being patient with me. I know I haven't posted in a while. Content has been a bit of a struggle recently, just with time and just figuring out some stuff, travel for the holiday. It's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks, but I appreciate y'all sticking with me. Uh, this is very late, but I'm finally getting around to reviewing and breaking down the Andor finale, episode 12, and I really loved it. Really can't wait to talk to y'all about it. So without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. So like I said, we're going to be going over Andor Season 1, Episode 12, the finale, titled Rick's Road. And like always, I'm going to start with my non-spoiler review, followed by my full spoiler review and breakdown. My non-spoiler thoughts are, this is an incredible conclusion to Season 1 of the show. This episode is full of action, drama, and suspense. I'm sad that the show is over, but excited to see what the future has in store. Um, so yeah, the rest of this episode will have spoilers. So this is your standard spoiler warning. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Yeah, don't listen if you haven't watched it already. So diving in, as always, this breakdown is going to be not super linear. I'm just going to kind of go through the different story beats and storylines that are going on a lot of them have converged on ferrix so that makes it a little easier to follow but um it's not going to be super chronological i'm just going to be kind of hitting the major story beats first off we have mon mothma her home life is falling apart her husband is lying to her and making it easier for the empire to sort of um take her down or at least keep her in check uh there's a reference to canto bite uh, when discussing Perrin's gambling, Perrin Firtha, her husband. But according to Tony Gilroy, and this is actually really interesting, this whole fight was actually a ruse that Mon was using to cover her tracks. So she knows that her driver is an ISB plant to sort of spy on her. Um, and she's using this fight to trick the Empire into thinking that her dealings with Davo are related to parents' gambling. And on the flip side, Davo will also assume that that's what she needs the money for as well, which is just all to throw people off the scent of her rebel activity. Like I said, the ISB has planted her driver to spy on her, kind of get some dirt on her, and it's working in her advantage so far. But by the end of the episode, we see her presenting her daughter to Davo's son in what we can assume will ultimately end in a proposal and marriage. And she just looks very broken in this scene. I mean, she's losing her entire family in the name of the rebellion. And it's really sad to see, but it's very interesting to see how it affects sort of the, the little moments and the little intricacies of these people's lives. Vel and Cinta are on Ferrix together, and we get to see more tension between their duty and their personal relationship. Um, I gotta say, there's not too much to their side of the story in this episode. They're trying to get Andor before the ISB does, but I just gotta say, Cinta is awesome. Her stabbing the ISB guy was just, it was a baller move. It was really, really cool. Um, Dedra. 
She arrives in an, an, in a classic Imperial shuttle. Uh, we see the extent of Imperial the Imperial occupation of Ferrix with the number of stormtroopers that are positioned around the hotel. She, and she's also escorted by death troopers in this episode, like Director Krennic and Rogue One. They're just elite stormtroopers, basically, um, with special training, even though they don't do too much that's overly special in comparison to regular stormtroopers. Um, she is seemingly one of the only Imperials concerned with true answers. The ISB as a whole is concerned with Imperial image. We see that with the whole Anto Krieger storyline and how the Empire takes care of him and his men as we expected them to. Um, and Dedra is really butthurt about the fact that they didn't take any prisoners, whereas um, the, the leader of the ISB, I'm blanking on his name, is essentially saying, like, hey, we need to send a message after Aldani. Like, sucks to suck. This is essentially a, a PR thing. Like, they need to get people's trust back in the Empire. They need to get people's fear back in the Empire, um, as it were. But, um, yeah, no, this idea that Dedra really wants prisoners, she wants to be able to pick their brains and get more information, and the Empire really isn't concerned with that. They're more concerned with the immediate threat rather than long-term uh, gain from any of these things. I also loved at the very end um, seeing her afraid when she starts to lose control whenever the mob is taking over. Um, it's just a very strong contrast, contrast between how she is and the rest of the show. And I just think it works really well. Um, Pac's son. He's the kid at the beginning who's soldering the little the motherboard. He's creating a bomb, as we find out later in the episode. But he's the son of the guy who was brought in by the ISB before Bix and was tortured. And um, we never actually see it, but we can assume that he was hanged like the, uh, I think it was Gorv had said that he wanted to do. Um, no, Gorf's the one. It's a different... The ISB guy told Dedra, he was like, I want to hang him. Um, we don't actually see that on screen, to my knowledge, but we can assume that that's what ended up happening. And so, Pac's son, they're the repair shop, or the... the uh, I don't know what kind of shop they have, like an auto body shop. Um, they... His son is very vengeful. He's planning to do something to the Empire, and we get to see him fulfill that task later brasso he's such a cool character even though he has a relatively small role in the grand scheme of things he's like a tertiary character but he, he just has great teddy bear energy and he balls out in this episode and, and i'm just i'm here for it zan is the guy with the beard who tells cassian that his mother died and he um he helps out cassian at the beginning of the series he's kind of a consistent member of the show uh, he gets shot and killed by a stormtrooper, which is really tragic. And I gotta say, props to the stormtroopers in this episode. They kind of put the stormtroopers can't aim um, sort of trope to bed. They they aim very well. They shoot they shoot a lot of people in this episode. They 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 get the job done. Um, moving on to Mosk and Karn, I just I think that they're both very fascinating characters as well because they have very different responses to imperial brutality both are very committed to order and justice but mosk seems to have finally witnessed the true nature of the empire and 
what do we see his response to it is? He's slumped up against the wall and he's drinking from a flask. Whereas Karn seems to be pushed to the extreme. We've seen that happen not so gradually throughout the series. But um, it's just interesting to see. They, they have very similar mentalities, but very different responses to Imperial tactics. Um, I do love the kind of romantic tension between Dedra and Cyril. I don't know if it's overly romantic. It feels kind of romantic to me. It works. Like, come on. It works. I'm glad they didn't kiss, but I'm glad that there was a chance that they would. Like, you know, it's it was like that, that was that was cool to me. I like that a lot. Um, it's just hilarious to me. Like, I laugh out loud every time something from that storyline comes up. Moving on to Andor, uh, the ca- the character, not the show. We're talking about the show in this entire episode. We see him looking at his father's brick. Uh, that we we see that whenever someone dies on Ferrex, if they're a pillar of society, they their ashes are, are essentially burned into this brick and then they get put into a wall and they uh, are, are then uh, immortalized as a member of the community. Um, and as he's looking at this brick, he reminisces on old times with his dad and shows how he's very perceptive, how his dad taught him to look for little things that other people might overlook. We've seen that throughout the series. Andor's very perceptive when it comes to his time on Aldani as well as his time in Arcana 5. He just has an eye for things that other people don't necessarily do. And it's cool to see that his father figure played a pretty significant role in that, it seems. His commitment to his friends like Bix, Brasso, Bimo, and getting them out is much more like his Rogue One character. Um, That whole sequence with him, first of all, getting into the hotel to break Bix out was pretty awesome. Um, But then seeing Bix in the state that she's in, she's so broken just like scared, terrified that they'll be angry. They'll get angry or whatever it is. It's just really sad to see. But that's just the toll that the Empire takes on people, um, especially when they're in their custody. Um, but I also loved that he was listening to Nemec's manifesto. Nemec was the young guy who died on Aldani um, after they had gotten out and Vel had given... Cassian, his manifesto that he was writing about rebellion. Um, it's just full of great quotes, but my favorite was Oppression is the Mask of Fear. And that really all anyone needs to do is try. And eventually, after enough acts of resistance and rebellion, they'll get through and they'll make change happen that they want to happen. And lastly, well, not lastly. One of the last things I want to talk about is Ferex finally standing up. I loved how the whole community rallied despite imperial restrictions. They said that they were going to give them 40 people for this funeral ceremony. Literally the entire town shows up. Um, They don't care about the oppression or the risk. They're going to honor Marva properly. And then Marva's speech gave me chills. I could give an entire, I could write an entire episode about the speech. Like it's just, it's one of the most most Star Wars things that I've seen in a while. Just that little repetition, that motif of we've been sleeping. And that the Empire isn't visiting anymore. It wants to stay. It's like this disease, this darkness that spread from the center of the galaxy. And that this darkness, this evil, is never more alive than when we sleep. Ah, it just it gave me chills. It's so, so good. And 
Apparently, she was the last thing that she says is fight the empire. Apparently, there's this was supposed to be an f bomb. This is supposed to be f the empire, literally, and they changed it to fight. I'm very okay with this change. I don't know. I'm all for a good f bomb. I don't swear on this podcast because I want to keep it clean. But anyone who knows me in real life knows that I can, I can, I can move some words around and I can be real creative with it. But I mean, I don't know. An f bomb in Star Wars. I think that that would really take me out of the experience. Um, so I'm glad that they made that change. Fight the Empire also just makes more sense in the context of what she's trying to convey. Um, but, I mean, kind of funny that it was a consideration, at least for a little bit. Uh, and I got to say, I've never been more hyped than when Brasso smacked the Imperial dude's head with Marva's brick and also kicking the dude that flipped Beam. I mean... How awesome is that? Like, it's just like, oh, the energy of that scene is just so authentic and raw. The people have been wanting to fight back, and Marva's words push them over the edge. Let's go Anvil guy. The guy that's, like, banging the anvil up in the bell tower, and he just, like, Spartan kicks a stormtrooper off the top of it? Heck yeah. I mean, oh, there's just so much. There's so much. And then Sun throws... The explosive, which sets off more grenades, and there's just chaos. It all works super well. The chaos kind of masks um, Andor and uh, Bix's escape, and it also allows uh, Luthen for a moment to, to, to move away. And speaking of Luthen, why is he on Ferrix? Like, yeah, he had the whole conversation with Clea at the end of the last episode. Um whenever he escaped from the Empire, when he's essentially saying, like, if they're speaking in code, like they were talking about the gallery, but we know that they were talking about Andor. And he was talking to Clea about how essentially this, like, this piece was too vital. They'll have to close up shop if he gets away. So I guess he wants to see it through himself, but... I understand that he's import he's an important loose end, but it really seems like an unnecessary risk when he knows that there's a strong imperial presence and he's just been flagged by the Empire. They don't know that it's him, but they've heard his voice. They know his ship. I don't know. Seems like an unnecessary risk to me, but at the very end, obviously we know Luthen wasn't going to kill Andor, but I love that setup for season two. I thought it was very good and satisfying. Lastly, talking about the post credit scene, I called it. Just saying, y'all, you can go back and listen. If you didn't catch it, the components that the prisoners were making on uh, in the prison on Narkina 5 uh, are being used to create the, the little dish for the uh, Death Star. I'm just saying, I said that. I had already said it. Um, and, yeah. But, I mean, this kind of puts into perspective why the prison operated the way that it did. It's very isolated. People aren't allowed to leave. The Empire doesn't want news of this getting out to anybody. And so they're really cracking the whip on this one. No one can know that the Empire is building. Because, I mean, think about it. This is this requires, this construction project, requires an, the sheer amount of raw materials I mean, that would draw a lot of attention unless you spread it out over a, lo- a large berth and create all these components separately. And, I mean, it's just it's a fascinating thing to think about because this was a weapon that was kept secret from the galaxy. 
for a while and then they enslaved people like the gene oceans um to create that to create all the components they almost drove them to extinction it's a wild time it's a wild time and i i honestly would love to see an entire show about or not an entire show maybe but a, like some content about the the construction of the death star and like the brutality of the empire regarding that as far as my review i'm going to give some quick thoughts about the episode and then i'm going to go into the season as a whole um I wasn't sure how to review this episode or even like break it down because it's so complex. There's so much going on. Um, It was one of the most satisfying finales of a Star Wars show ever, second to mainly maybe only the Clone Wars. And uh, Mando season two was pretty great too. Um, But I mean, it delivered. It did really, really well. It wrapped up most of the storylines really well, at least the ones that mattered and like needed to be wrapped up immediately more immediately it managed to also make me want more like it it wrapped things up but i just i'm like but i but but more i want more like it wasn't so satisfying that i that there's not potential for for more exciting stuff it built to the eruption of ferrix really beautifully and made it very cathartic and satisfying and everything just worked so nicely. Got to apply to everyone that was involved with the show. I praised it a lot, but um, it just, it's so, so good. Looking at the season as a whole, I loved this show. I thought it was awesome. It definitely uh, may have started out pretty slow, but it built very, very well. Each arc got progressively better than the last. Um, it was very refreshing and had this grand feeling to it. And while it may have lacked in traditional Star Wars isms and Star Wars like sort of tropes, it showed us a different side of the galaxy that I find just super fascinating. It showed us the cost and the toll that fighting for the rebellion extracts. And it showed us how people are sacrificing their lives, their familiar relationships, love, comfort, everything for the sake of this rebellion for something, for a freedom that they probably won't get to experience themselves, and they know that. We also get to see the restlessness in the galaxy as the Imperial grip grows tighter. And we see that the Rebellion was more than just a group of people flying X-Wings, a bunch of Boy Scouts that were a bunch of Luke Skywalkers. No, there are a lot of morally ambiguous, um, like broken people and that there were a huge culmination of many incidents like Ferrix and Aldani that culminated in this wonderful event that was the Death Star getting destroyed the first time and then that's really what legitimized the rebellion for a lot of people even though the Empire knew that they were a formidable threat early on um and I understand that this wasn't everyone's cup of tea but I do feel like a lot of people were looking really hard for things to hate on with this show. And I won't talk about anyone specifically. I'm sure you've seen Reddit threads and stuff about some big content creators that have been hating on it. I wish people would give it a little more of a chance and see the potential for Star Wars outside of the Force and lightsabers. This is coming from someone who had that as their main concern about the show in the first place. I said to a lot of people, I don't know if I could enjoy Star Wars without Jedi and the Force and that sort of mythology surrounding it. While the show doesn't have the same mythological and mystical um, properties that like Tales of the Jedi or Clone Wars, even The Mandalorian has, 
it brings a grounded grit that really makes you feel connected to the story in a unique way that I hadn't really experienced with Star Wars before. Cassian goes on this really interesting journey from a selfish rogue to a rebel leader, and it happens very subtly but organically and clearly, and the, the events that take place surrounding that transformation make a lot of sense. Everything about it worked really, really well, and I mean, it's on cable TV now, it's on Hulu, like, it's Disney's made some interesting decisions with this show, I don't know, I feel like they've kind of dug their heels in a little bit, it hasn't been performing quite as well as they've wanted it to, which is a real shame. Um, so they're trying to push it out a little bit more, trying to get it to some more audiences. I personally really can't wait for season two. I think that this was a really great show. It's not my favorite show by any means. I, Clone Wars and Mando, I would say, are still, well, this is, this is on the same playing field as Mando, in my opinion. It's very different, and it appeals to two completely different audiences. This one is very much like, oh, I'm depressed, but it's fun, you know? And Mando's like, ooh, shiny guy, baby Yoda, lightsabers, dark sabers, stormtroopers, Mandalorians, that's cool. But it still also has a compelling story behind it. So, I mean, I'm not bashing either because I love both of them very, very much. I'm excited for season three of Mando even more than I was before just because I love having content. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now. That's about all that I have for I've Spoken Less Seven Divisions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. So this will just be my thoughts on where I think the show is going to go in season two, really. I think that, well, I don't think that. I know that. It's been confirmed. Season two takes place a year after the finale. So it'll be approximately three and a half years before A New Hope because the events of this season took place over the span of about six months. Um, I think that... Well, no, once again, not think. This is speculation, but it's been semi-corroborated by pretty reliable reports. There will be more significant time jumps next time, supposedly months or years between three-episode arcs. Um, I hope we get some tie-ins with Rebels, maybe like a Hera and Kanan cameo. But at this point in the timeline, I'm pretty sure that the Ghost crew has been operating pretty consistently so we could see some other people like zeb sabine ezra i don't know i know this season one wasn't much for cameos we'll see if season two kind of breaks that mold a little bit i doubt that it will but with ahsoka coming out and Hera and sabine will be in that chopper will be in that i could see them working in maybe one rebels character um i want more with Mon and the Senate. I think that that'll be really interesting. I hope that we get a Vader or Palpatine cameo. I don't really need them to do anything. Just like their presence, I think would be super cool to see. Um, Thrawn would be a very interesting addition, especially if he's set to, since he's set to appear in Ahsoka as well. Um, he's involved. He's doing stuff with the Empire. I think that it would be cool to see him um, dealing with Rebels, even if he's not like a consistent player in the show, just seeing him like on a hologram or getting talked to by Palpatine or something like that. I think that could be super interesting. Um, there's a lot of potential for season two. I'm hopeful that we get more front lines, rebel action and get to see Cassian working as an intelligence operative. Like I said, so much potential and I'm really excited to see where they go with it. Um, but that's all that I have for my review of and or episode 12. I've loved getting to watch this show with y'all. Um, or 
alongside y'all. And I'm sad that it's over, but we got Bad Batch coming in January. Um, school is hectic right now. I don't know. I'm planning on doing a review from my trip to Galaxy's Edge, which I took over Thanksgiving. Um, as an ability to speak does not make you intelligent, probably solo. I might have my brother and my cousins on. We'll see how timing works out. But I have finals coming up. I got exams. I'm planning on having Jack and Clayton back on to talk about Andor. We got a lot of stuff lined up. Hopefully we get it in in a timely manner, but I'm not making any promises. I would ask that y'all stay patient with me um, because I'm, I'm juggling a lot of stuff right now. And I, I want to continue to bring y'all the best content that I can, but it gets a little tricky. So that being said, make sure to follow us on Instagram at TwinSunTalks. Subscribe to us on YouTube, TwinSunTalks Podcast. Follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks and share this with anybody who has been watching Andor and you think would enjoy my thoughts on it. I would really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that's about it. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you and I will see y'all in the next episode. Bye, friends.